0: Well, hey there everyone, I'm Daniel Hahn and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just wanna thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. My message this morning is, you can't spell gospel without G-O. You cannot spell gospel without go. And I know some of you say, well, that's very obvious. You can't even spell good news without G-O. But let's talk about it a little bit. See, the word gospel comes from the Greek word evangelista. We get the word evangel. It literally means good news or good, good message. It's the same root word we get the word evangelize from, we get the word to preach from, and when the angels proclaim the birthday of Jesus, what do they say? We bring you good tidings. We bring you the gospel of great joy, which shall be to what? All people. Did not say to the shepherds, just you folks. Did not say just to the Jews. It says this is going to be good news. It's going to be the gospel for all people. But the reality is, if the news doesn't get there until it's too late, it's not good news. I mean, it really, it doesn't matter how many of it get warranties going out. If it doesn't get there before your car breaks down, it's no good. If it's too late, it's not good news. When Jesus walked the shores of Galilee, he saw some guys fishing. And what did he do? He said, follow me, which is, come go. Come go with me and I will make you fishers of men. They left their nets. They left their boats. Now, for some of us, we may have never thought about it, but that was a major sacrifice. There was their livelihood. They walked away from the family business so that they could fulfill the commission to come follow Jesus. The reality is they didn't understand. They didn't know as much as you and I They didn't know as much as you and I know. And yet they left it all so that they could go. Because they realized and understood something that some of us still haven't. 2,000 years later you can't spell gospel without go. And I know the first thing that comes to some of your mind you ask the question. Are you saying everyone has to become a full-time minister proclaiming the gospel? Absolutely not. Look at Jesus' command to the disciples as he was literally getting ready to leave this earth. His final earthly words. Passage that you're familiar with. Probably can quote it. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It says that message, that going begins where you are. It starts in Jerusalem. Mark chapter 5 gives an interesting story. It's about a demonic possessed man, he was living in the caves and God miraculously Jesus miraculously delivered him. Let's pick up the story in uh, Mark chapter 5 verse 14, where it says the herdsmen fled and told it in the city. What did they tell him? And in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had The legion, now the word legion means hundreds, legions of demonic possession. They saw him sitting there clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the pigs. Now what happened to the pigs? We didn't read it, but the demonic spirits went and got in the pigs and they all jumped off the cliff and committed suicide. Some of you will get that after a while, okay? I, some, some of them got it. It's just slow. You know, somebody just kept going, okay? They committed suicide. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he, and as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. He said, I want to go with you. Let me go with you. And Jesus said, no. And he did not permit him, he did not allow him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. He wanted to go. Some people would love to go overseas and do the work of a missionary, but that may not be God's calling upon your life. But you cannot spell gospel without G-O. And he realized this. He said, let me go with you. He said, no, I want you to go home. Go to your neighborhood and tell them your story. Go tell your story of what Jesus had done for you. And he went to proclaim in Decapolis. Now, where in the world was home? Where was Decapolis? Well, he had told the disciples, he said, I want you to reach Jerusalem and then go into Samaria and Judea and Samaria and then the other post parts of the earth. Where was Decapolis? Well, Decapolis was literally a ten-city area, the word Deca. Ten cities. The only city that is still there today is the city of, of Samaria, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, only one that's there. And of the ten, all the rest of them are no longer there. But those were ten cities that were had been restored during the uh, time of Alexander the Great. Had great influence there upon the. Uh, the culture they had the colosseums they had the uh, the different things of the Greek and so they had been invaded that area was just a little bit northeast of Jerusalem just across the Jordan River just a little bit north of Jerusalem so we're not talking about far distance but that's where he went that's where he lived that was home I kind of related that to our area. How many, knows, how many native Floridians do you have here? I see both of you. <laughs> no, there's more than that. I got there, There's several native Floridians. But how many knows that our area has been impacted by a, another culture? <laughs> okay. Now when I'm saying that, I'm not degrading the villages, I'm not degrading Stonecrest, I'm not degrading any of these areas. What I'm telling you, it's a different type of culture. I told them uh, some of you, whenever I moved here, we did not have a Catholic church in the area. The nearest one's in Bellevue. All of you Catholics don't get mad at me. We just didn't have any of you. You brought different cultures. We've got people from all over. And that's what happened. That was the area of the Decapolis. The Greek culture under Alexander. They had influenced those cities. And they were different. And Legion said let me go with you. He said no. You need to go to your home. And impact that culture. Those neighbors that are around you. You cannot spell go. Or gospel without G-O. You have to go to where they are. Now, in the Bible, there's a story about the prodigal son. The prodigal son left, and the Bible says he went to a far country. Can any of you tell me where that was? We have no idea how far. He might have went 20 miles, might have went 100 miles. Now, we know it's just a story. It's not an actual individual. But they went to a far country. Can I remind you and suggest to you that anywhere a person lives outside of the love and grace of God is a very, very far country? Amen. That there are people that are in a far country that live next door to you. They live in your neighborhood. They've been influenced and they may influence you and that's not bad or good or indifferent. I'm just telling you that we've got a communities around us that's full of people that God said, I want you to go to your Decapolis I want you to go to your Jerusalem, and I want you to share your story. He didn't tell you necessarily to preach to them. What was Paul's major sermon? Every time he went to a new place, he preached the same sermon. People complain about evangelists. Paul preached the same sermon. Let me tell you my story. I was on the road to Damascus, and God did something for me mentioned that prodigal son he went to a far country where was that far country don't know could have been anywhere but he was in a far country because he was away from his father I can't dwell on it but I believe that that story of the prodigal son has dual messages it has the awesome story about the everlasting love of the father for the prodigal son that wandered away but it was also a rebuke to those religious leaders that we hear in the story. He was telling those religious people there. He said let me tell you about these two boys. He was telling about the. Those brothers. That cared less about the son that left. He had no interest. And I believe that was a rebuke to those people. And I believe there's a rebuke to the church today. That's telling us Listen. There's a world that's lost and dying and going to eternal hell. And you need to take the gospel, the good news to them. And you can't do it without G-O. How many knows that Jesus told the disciples, we already read it, tarry in Jerusalem till you've been due with power. Then I want you to start in Jerusalem. Then Judea, Samaria, the other most parts of the earth. How many knows they didn't do it? it when did they start going when they started killing when they started arresting when they started persecuting then they said hey I believe it's time to go I'm gonna go tell my story you somebody say well that would have happened anyway God has to allow something to happen to us. In The Old Testament, I know I've shared about him quite a bit recently. But Elijah, he prayed. Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, I paraphrase that and say that he had prayed and said, it's not going to rain until I tell it's going to rain. So let's drop down to verse 7. He went out and ravens brought him food. And he went to the creek. Now I know the King, the, the, this version says brook. But southern says it's a creek. And after a while the creek dried up. Why did the creek dry up? Because he prayed that it wouldn't rain. I get amazed that we pray and ask God to do something. Then when God does it. We get upset with the inconvenience. What was the inconvenience? He had to get up and go. Why? Because God answered prayer. Some of you are praying for family members. And every time God begins to want to do something, you want to intervene and soften the blow. It's good to be that God wants to let the brook dry up. Why? So they listen to your story. And he had to go. He had to go. Now where did he go? He went to the widow. And yes I know I told this. Recently. But let's go down to verse 13. He got to a lady there. And she had just a little bit of bread. A little bit of. Uh, flour. A little bit of oil. And Elijah said to her. Do not fear. Go. And do as you have said. Now, what did she say? I'm gonna go fix something for my son and for me, our last meal, and we're gonna die. And he said, Well, do not fear. Go and do as you said, but first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. Now, that's an amazing story. Because I think every parent here would realize the significance of what he's saying. How many of you parents would willingly, if somebody that you really didn't know, came to you and said, listen, feed me before you feed your son. That wouldn't go over very well, would it? We said, do what you plan to do, but first go. And make me one. How amazing that is. See, I think you could say that God forced Elijah to go by answering his prayer. And the brook dried up. See, you can't spell gospel without G-O. How many of you would agree with me that the persecution of the early church was terrible? I mean, Saul was arresting people. Saul was there, and somebody who, well, who in the world saw? That was Paul, before his name was changed. He was, had a open warrant for anybody that was in the way. Now what that means, does not mean they were in the way, that means that they were believers. He had an open warrant that he could arrest them even to the place that he was consenting unto the death of Stephen, where they laid his clothes at his feet while they killed him. That was pretty awesome. That's pretty terrible. But how many would agree with me? Because that began to happen, the gospel began to spread. Using not only the other disciples, but using Paul himself. Paul is known as the first missionary. He really wasn't the first missionary. The first missionaries was with Jesus when he came to this earth. That's good, ain't it? Yeah. But he was the first missionary to travel telling people about Jesus. Because he you can't spell the gospel How many of you think the drought during Elijah's day was probably pretty bad? It was bad. Droughts are bad. But that dried up brook for Elijah and the people of God. Because right around the corner he was going to go up in the mountains and pray. And the fire would come down from heaven. It couldn't have happened unless you've been willing to go. Let me ask you this. Some of you not voting for anything yet. Let me see if I can get some of you Do any of you think that COVID has left a permanent mark on our society? Amen. The cost of this pandemic, we may never fully know. But you know what the pandemic has forced us to do? To go. We had to go online. And those of you online, I'm glad you're with us. I'm glad we're able to do that. Well, we had talked about it for years. We'd even discussed it. We'd planned it. But just not yet. You say, well, why not? Because I'm technically challenged. Wasn't ready for that. But the pandemic says, "Here I come, but ready or not?" And it caused us to go online, go on Facebook, go on YouTube. We're reaching more people today than we've ever reached. Was't because of our genius? It's because of God allowing this pandemic. To make us go. And see, you can't spell gospel without go. It's allowed us to go where we were not going before. There's an awesome story recorded in the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings, chapter 6 and 7, talks about a story. Samaria was under siege. Let's look at chapter 6, verse 24. And afterward, Benadad, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Syria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. Why was there famine? Because they were locked in. They couldn't leave the city. And as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shikles of silver. Now that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. But when you realize a donkey's head Doesn't have a whole lot of meat on it. And a horse, an entire living horse prior to this time sold for 150 shekels. In other words, you could have to sell a horse to buy two donkey's heads. It's bad. I didn't read something on that one. Let me read on and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung. Now, I don't want to get gross, but I think you know what dove's dung is. You say, well, I don't know what, how much that was. It was about a pint. About a pint of dove's dung sold for five shickles of Silver. And the first thought that runs through some of your minds said, well, five, a nickel, that's not bad. No, five shillings of silver was six months' wages. For a pint, Dove Dung. Then there's a few other guys. Drop down to chapter 7, verse 4. Now, there were four men who were lepers at the entrance of the gate. Now, why were they at the gate? Because they couldn't be in the city because they were ostracized. They were out there. And they said one to another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And they kill us, we shall die. So they arose at twilight to do what? To go. To go. Why were they going? Because times were bad. I think this would be a good time to insert a commercial. Many of you ask about our prayer request for Cuba. Many of called call me. I've had some phone calls. Pastor, what can we do? I think we've done everything that we can do. We've literally sent thousands of dollars to Cuba over a period of time since COVID started. But you're limited to what you can send in and it has to be done a certain way. Some have asked, well, why doesn't convoy of hope go there? Can we give the Samaritan's Purse? They're not allowed into Cuba. People in Cuba are literally Starving. There's nothing to buy. Reminded me of this story. They're embargoed. They're isolated. They're locked up. And they're begging for our prayers. Not our help. But our prayers. And I know that some will probably be watching online. And would you promise with me that we will be praying for them and when the doors open we will be sending more money we will be doing what we can but they're hurting and they ask us to pray because there's nothing there so now back to this story they said let's go let's go See if they will have mercy on us. And so they went. But an amazing thing happened. Amazing thing happened as they went to that camp. When they got there, they found this. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians... Hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army. So they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come up against us. So they fled away in the twilight. They abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys. Remember, those donkeys were expensive, just the heads. Leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. And when the lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank and carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. What are you saying? They pigged out. Hey, I don't blame them. God, it's fine. It's fine because they found the food and they ate it and they said, look what we've done. And I can picture them after they have been at the golden Crow buffet. <laughs> and they waddle back to their tent that was abandoned. They stretch out on the tent. And say oh my I ate too much. But wasn't it good? Wasn't it good? But then it says. Then they said to one another. Verse 9. We're not doing Right. We're not doing right. I want to remind you again that it's okay for them to eat all they want. See, God wants to bless you. I said, God wants to bless you. He wants to supply your needs according to his riches in glory. But when you've been blessed, he doesn't want you to be a spiritual glutton. He wants you to be willing to share what you have. We are not doing right. We're not doing right. This day is a day of what? Good news. The Old Testament equivalent of the gospel. This is a day of good tidings. said ma'am God's blessed us we've had all we can eat we got all this left over he says this is not right now that word this is not right I looked it up and the best that I could come up with the idea it says this is not being honest this is not being truthful this is not being right for us to have all this and right over there they're starving to death we've got good news what's the good news that they had food to eat I asked you this question is it right for you and I to become spiritual gluttons. When many are starving to death spiritually. We live in a generous area. I, I, I praise God for our area. I know earlier when I was talking about the different communities. I hope nobody thought that was a negative. God has blessed our communities. God has blessed us and we live in a generous community. We have a generous church For those of you that were here early and saw the the video concerning Egypt, we've already approved $10,000 to to help build the churches. And we know we'll probably be getting more from you because you're generous. We want to share. We live in a generous area. Thanks to everyone that gives. But keeping the greatest truth. The greatest truth... The best news in all the world within the doors of the church is not good. It's not honest. It's not being truthful. And you really can't spell the good news. You can't spell the gospel without G.O. And I know some of you say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I'd like to share, but they won't accept it. That's really not a requirement. I said, that's really not a requirement. That may be true, but many times we don't see the end result. I said, many times we don't see the end results. I know some of you saw what I shared on Facebook this morning about 5, 530. I was reading Facebook from Mary Boyd our National BGMC director that I'll be seeing tomorrow, my wife and I. She shared an awesome story that I want to share with you, and I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version, and you can go to my Facebook and read it. But in 1921, a Swedish couple by the name of David and Faye Flood, along with another young couple, went as missionaries from Sweden to the Belgian Congo what is now known as Zaire. The leader of the neighborhood that they settled in, that they wanted to minister to, refused to allow them to minister because he was afraid of alienating their local gods. But there's one boy that sold chickens and eggs twice a week. He would come by and them to the missionaries and sway. Decided, well, at least I can minister to him. And eventually he became a believer. Malaria struck the area and a lot of people were taken sick. Many died. The one couple left the area and left Svea and David to stay there. Svea became pregnant, and gave birth to a little girl that she named Aina. But 17 days after giving birth, because of malaria and other situations, she passed away. Leaving a dad and a young baby. He found the couple that had left their missions and gave them their child. And he went home disillusioned, heartbroken, and angry at God. Within eight months of being given to the young other couple, that couple got sick and passed away suddenly, leaving less than a year old child, which they turned over to another missionary couple who decided to go back to this, move to the States and become a pastor keep from losing their little baby they raised Anna and changed her name to Aggie she married and her and her husband became successful ministers working with a Bible school but one day she received a Swedish magazine in the mail and as of the writing of this story she still has no clue of who mailed it to her and she could not read Swedish, but as she was thrumming through, looking through the pages, she saw a primitive grave with the name Sve Flood. Remember that was her mom on it. She found a friend that could read the Swedish and he read it, read the article and says, Well, the article is about a African boy. Who was led to the Lord by a missionary mother who later died there? He had grown up, built a school in the village, and led the chief and over 600 people to the Lord. A few years later, Aggie attended a conference in London with the superintendent of the desire, representing 110,000 baptized believers. And after the service, Aggie was able to speak to the speaker. And she said, have you ever heard a sveil flood? And after talking and conversing through a translator, found out I was the boy that sold them chickens and eggs. And your mother's grave and the memory are honored by all of us. We never know the results of our story. We never know the results of our going. But we can't spell gospel without go. Am I asking you to go overseas? No. And am I asking you to sell all your possessions and give to missions? No. No. I'm asking you to be willing to go tell your story to the cashier to the far country at the end of your driveway or whoever needs to hear your story because harboring and holding the greatest truth the greatest message the greatest good news. And the words of those lepers. It's not right. Not to share it. I've asked our worship team to come. And I realize this message is for the church. But I will echo the words of Leith. He's already shared with you. It's never a bad day to give your heart to the Lord. And we're going to sing that old old hymn of the church Jesus saves Jesus saves if you're here and you'd like to receive Christ the altars are open if you'd hear and like to just say Lord I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do the altars are open Well, we're just going to worship the Lord after I've prayed and ask God to minister and touch our hearts and lives and help each one of us to realize you can't spell gospel without G-O. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity of supporting missions. Thank you for living in such an area that the mission world has come to us. Thank you for living in an area that's so generous and kind. But Father, don't let us be spiritual gluttons and harboring the greatest message that's known to mankind. And help us be reminded that the good news is not good news if it doesn't get there in time. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries, so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.